everybody, this is Josh Barnett. Welcome to another episode of Think on These Things. Really excited about a new series that I'm starting today about the kingdom of God. Uh, in part one today, I want to look at specifically the gospel or the gospel of the kingdom. Now, uh, before we start, the main reason I'm doing this podcast is to help us think rightly about the incredible, awesome, good God that we serve. Uh, for us to do that, we must be willing to study, we must be willing to learn, we must be willing to pursue. Uh, it may not be the most interesting in the world, <laughs> interesting thing in the world to you. Uh, it may not move your heart the way that a worship song does, but we are supposed to love God with all of our minds as well as all of our hearts. So we've got to understand that teaching is vital, studying is vital, and repetition is vital. And so you don't just learn something one time when you hear it. You have to study it and read it over and over and over again. So I just want to caution you, don't, don't get into a place where you become familiar with scripture, with teaching, and have an attitude of, you know, I, I know that stuff. I already know that, so I don't need to listen to that, or I don't need to do that Bible study, or I don't need to study that verse, or I don't need to hear that. that that's a bad attitude to have when you approach scripture, when you approach teaching, when you approach preaching, when you approach studying the word of God. It's a very dangerous place to be. I believe it's a demonic spirit that gets us there. Um, spirit of religion. I think it's a religious thought to think, well, I know that stuff. We've got to know as human beings, like we leak, um, we leak the things um, that we take in. And so refilling is necessary. You know, in Ephesians 5, I believe verse 18, Paul says, be filled with the spirit. He says, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. And, you know, he compares being filled with the spirit to being drunk. Cause when people get drunk, they don't stay drunk. We have the Holy Spirit in us, but we don't stay filled up. And so Paul is showing us that we've got to constantly fill ourselves up. So anyway, to start today, I want to start this ongoing series about the kingdom of God. Uh, I don't really have an end to it. Um, the, these episodes will probably not be posted back to back because I've got a lot of other things that I want to um, talk about in between them, but kind of an ongoing series. Um, and I don't want, <laughs> I, I want to put other episodes in between this series that I'm doing because I don't want to wear you guys out on a single subject. But this is one of my most favorite things to talk about, and I believe is one of the most vital things that we believe as Christians. And if we don't un understand it, uh, then we can completely misunderstand our entire calling uh, in life. And so today, as we start this, I want to talk about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. In uh, Mark, Luke, and John, they refer to it as the kingdom of God, but Matthew says the kingdom of heaven. Now, they're, they're both the same thing. Uh, Matthew is referring to the same thing. It's really God's kingdom from heaven, which is why Matthew words it that way. And, I, and this, this phrase, kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, can be traced back uh, even into the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, John the Baptist and Jesus both show up on the scene preaching the same thing, which is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. You see that from John in Matthew verse three and two, verse three, two, and then from Jesus in, in uh, Matthew uh, four seventeen, And they both show up this repent for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is at hand or the kingdom is near. You know, what, what do they mean by this? The kingdom of heaven is near. What do they mean? Did this mean that everybody was going to heaven soon or was there another meaning in Mark 1, verse 14 and 15 says that Jesus came preaching the gospel. He came preaching the good news of the kingdom. You know, what was the gospel? What was the good news? His good news was repent 
for the kingdom of God is at hand. That is the gospel. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Uh, the word repent means change the way that you think. And that's one reason I love I'm doing this podcast. Think on these things. We have to change the way that we think. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is within all through the gospels, you'll see Jesus mention this over and over again. He actually mentions the kingdom of God way more than he even mentions the church. He mentions the kingdom of God over, a, depending on what translation you look at, but over 120 times in the four gospels. And he only mentions church three times. So the kingdom is super, super important. It's what he was teaching on the whole time that was here. Even his parables, he would say the kingdom of the God is like, you know, whatever. And so we're going to look at a lot of those things, but I just want to start with what is, you know, what is the gospel? What is this kingdom that he's talking about that's here? In Matthew verse in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, Jesus teaches us to pray like this, your, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it, is, it is in heaven. That's a line that he uses. He's talking to his father, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the answer to what the kingdom of God is. It's his will. It's his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. It is heaven breaking into the earth through the reign of Christ, through Jesus. The kingdom is his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. It's his culture permeating and taking over the culture of the world. Revelation 11 talks about the kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. So it's his wills, it's his ways being done on earth. Repent, change the way that you think, basically, because I'm here to take over. I'm here to set up shop. Miles Monroe authored a book called The Kingdom of God. Now, I haven't read this book, but this is the way that he defines the kingdom of God. Um, I've heard this book is fantastic. I need to read it. Uh, one author that I would suggest in this subject is a theologian by the man uh, by the name of N.T. Wright, fascinating um, guy, incredible man of God who who writes extensively on this subject, and I really highly recommend him. But Miles Monroe in The Kingdom of God describes a kingdom in these terms. A kingdom is the sovereign rulership and governing influence of a king over his territory, impacting it with his will, his intent, and his purpose, manifesting a culture and society reflecting the king's nature, values, and moral. A kingdom is the governing impact of a king's will over a territory or domain, his influence over a people, and a government led by the king. So that that is the de- his definition of a kingdom, and I think that perfectly describes the kingdom of God, a, a, a sovereign rulership, a governing influence of a king over his territory, impacting it with his will, his intent, his purpose, manifesting a culture and society, reflecting the king's natures, values, and morals. And that is what we're building. As believers, we are building that kingdom on earth. It's so we are trying to make earth look like heaven, look like God's throne room, look like his domain. Jesus was announcing the good news that heaven was now available on earth again, that through him we have access here on earth, that he- that earth and heaven could once again overlap just like they did in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were put in the Garden of Eden, and it was kind of this place where God would come and walk and be, and you had this magnificent, incredible place where heaven and earth were kind of one, and Jesus was coming back to restore that. You know, praying praying for God's kingdom to come, your will to be done, it's not about Jesus coming back faster to take us to heaven. It's not about him coming to rapture us away somewhere. It's about heaven coming supernaturally into the earth. 
this gospel, this good news is the announcement that there's a new king in charge and he has brought his new kingdom with him. So uh, mess with your religion a little bit, uh, mess with maybe some of the things that you believe. This isn't wrong, but the good news is not just that Jesus died on the cross to save you from hell. That is a part of it, but that is not the gospel in its entirety. Oswald Chambers says, it is not the question of being saved from hell, but in being saved in order to manifest the Son of God in our mortal flesh. So Jesus died on the cross. His goal was not to to get us away to another place called heaven, but to bring heaven into this place that we call earth. If getting saved was just about going to heaven when we die, then why not just, once we get saved, just suck us up to heaven right now? So the goal wasn't to get us inside of heaven necessarily, but it was to get heaven inside of us so that we could manifest heaven, so that we could live out heaven here on earth and make earth around us look like heaven. When uh, you go back to Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, they not only forfeited their relationship with God, but in forfeiting their relationship with God, they forfeited their purpose. So they had this purpose. They had this, uh, this calling that God placed on their life. And it was to take dominion of the earth. It was to make the rest of the world look like Eden. And so they, they were, that is what their job was in Genesis one and two, and then you see the fall in chapter three. In in Luke nineteen, there's a verse ten. It says Jesus came to restore that which was lost. It doesn't say that he came to restore those who were lost, but that which was lost. What 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 was lost? What was lost was our relationship, our communion that we could have with God, our identity, our being His image bearers on the earth, our authority to take dominion. Jesus didn't just come to save us from hell. He came to restore to us everything that we were designed to be before the fall. God commissioned Adam and Eve with a purpose and a plan. And we've got to know that God didn't give up on that plan when Adam and Eve sinned. God has not given up on you just because you've blown it. He still has a plan and a purpose in mind for your life. Salvation is not the end of anything. It is the start of something. Jesus came not to bring an end, but to restart our intended designed function. So yes, we have incredibly been saved from hell. We've been saved from sin. We've been saved from darkness, but we have also been saved for something, saved to do something, and it's to bring God's will his heaven, his culture to earth, to build his kingdom. It's the kingdom of heaven, not in heaven, but on earth. The kingdom is at hand. It is near. It is within. It is like. Jesus, again, didn't die to get you into heaven. He died to get heaven inside of you. And then for us to take heaven everywhere that we go. You know, God God has a plan for your family. He has a plan for your home. He has a plan for your school. He has a plan for your workplace. He has a plan for your city and for your nation. It's you. You're that plan. God has commissioned you to build his kingdom everywhere that you go. That's the good news. That's the gospel that Jesus has now restored you back to relationship with him, back to your original identity. And and, and he he taught us the ways of the kingdom. You know, it takes salvation. It takes a born again experience. But what comes about by that encounter is repentance. It is changing the way that you think. 
Not, notice repent doesn't mean changing the way that you behave. It, it, it means changing the way that you think. Why? You go back to one of my first episodes and we broke down the verse of, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Because if you change the way that you think, your behavior will follow. You know, you crucify your flesh. You become a new creation. Your spirit comes alive. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. And by his grace, you're empowered to live like him. That requires a changing the way that you think. It requires fixing your thoughts on a heavenly reality. It requires fixing your thoughts on the kingdom of God. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom. So let us put all of our thoughts on him and on how to build his kingdom. Jesus was a man who was convinced of his calling, convinced of his purpose. He knew what he was there to do. And we've got to be people who aren't always in identity in an, in an identity crisis. We've got to know who we are. We've got to understand 2 Corinthians 2.16, we've been given the mind of Christ. So we have got to step into that identity that Jesus Christ gave his life for us to have. We've got to become completely and fully convinced of who God calls us to be. And obviously, I can go way deep into our beloved identity and how the Father sees us and how he feels about us and all that stuff. And, and we will definitely do that in this series, but I'm going to stick to what is the kingdom of God on here. But the last thing I want to say about that, Romans 8, there's a verse in there, I believe around 19, 20, 19 to 23-ish is, is where this talks about, but it says that all of creation is groaning. All of creation is waiting. One translation says that all of creation is waiting on tiptoe with eager expectation for the manifesting of the sons and the daughters of God. So creation is groaning like in pain, waiting for the sons and daughters of God to realize who they are and to set everything back right again. See, we've been called by God. We've been sent by Jesus in the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations, to make the kingdoms of this of this world become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. We have been sent into creation to redeem it. We are part of of this plan that God has for creation, the original plan that God had for Adam and Eve, which was to take dominion of the earth, make this place look like heaven. Romans 14, 17 says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but living a life of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I love that. The kingdom of God is a matter of living a life of righteousness. Righteousness, that's the first step into living in the kingdom. And you've been given his righteousness. Jesus purchased that ticket for you. He gave you his righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21. I'm sorry, I'm shooting lots of scripture out here, but I think it's important that we, we remember these and we get these into our heart. We get these into our mind. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he who knew no sin became sin so that I could become the righteousness of God in Christ. We now have right standing with our Father. We now have the righteousness of God, and the kingdom of God is living in that righteousness. It is living in peace. We now have peace with God, a peace that passes all understanding. Our spirits, our minds, our hearts are all at peace with God now. No matter what's going on in the world, we can have a supernatural peace in the kingdom. And I believe that we can live in such peace that that peace begins to supernaturally manifest to the world around us, that we can actually see that peace begin to take over the world. You see it in Mark chapter five, where Jesus calms the winds and the waves that 
he was able to leverage the kingdom. He was able to leverage the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God to such a degree that he brought peace to the winds and the waves. And even when they get to the other side of the shore and they they run into the the, the man at the Gerasenes, the man who was among the graves, who was possessed by a th- by a legion of demons, thousands of demons were inside of him, and God, and Jesus brought such peace to that man that he began uh, that one encounter brought that man back into his right man right mind, uh, fully healed, where Jesus was able to even tell the man, you don't need to go with me. I'm going to send you into these 10 cities to be an evangelist for me. I'm going to send you out to be an apostle for me, to build culture for me, to build, uh, to bring everyone in this area back into relationship with me, to bring these cities back under my rule and my reign. That is the kind of peace that we can walk in where we begin to see it supernaturally manifest around us, where you, even the very room that you walk in, the atmosphere begins to change because you are so in him. You are so in heaven. You are so in the kingdom. And then, so, uh, but a matter of living righteousness, peace, and then joy. We have an unexplainable joy in him. Psalm 1611 says, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. The kingdom is the fullness of his presence. It is being in him. Therefore, you have joy that's unspeakable. I believe that we have degrees of joy that we don't even know are possible yet. And the deeper that you go in the kingdom, the deeper that you go in him, that you will experience more and more and more joy. He will move you from glory to glory. You know, you can steward his presence to such a degree that you have joy all the time. Not not happiness, but joy. Joy. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. His joy is your strength, and you get it from his presence. So Psalm 16.11, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So how do you get more joy? You get in his presence. How do you get more strength? You get joy from his presence. You know, maybe you're, maybe you're, you're, dealing with being tired or being grouchy or maybe even with some depression, anxiety, some fear, I want to encourage you, get closer to him, get in his presence, and you'll begin to see the kingdom manifest in your life. Remember, the kingdom, it's not a matter of eating and drinking. It's a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy that are found in the Holy Spirit, found in the Holy Spirit. And those things, that is the way that we build the kingdom by being in his presence. When we are in his presence, we begin to reflect his glory. We begin to become an image bearer. Well, how do you be in his presence all the time? You just have a relationship with him. You talk to him. I'm actually going to do, excuse me, I'm going to do one of these parts on the keys to the kingdom. The key to the kingdom Jesus is the door. He said, I am the door. He is the door to the key, the kingdom. The keys to the kingdom are intimacy with him. That is the way that we abide in him. I'm going to do a whole episode on that later so that more of that to come. But how do you build his kingdom? It's simple, man. Just be with him. If you will be with him, you will begin to walk like him, act like him, talk like him. It, you know, a few points. Where do I build the kingdom? Where do I do it? Well, number one, in your life, in your heart, your mind, your soul. You do that in your secret place. You know, settle the issues of your own heart, of your own mind before you take, before you, you're going to have to settle some of those things before you can take those things into the world. Settle your issues, your problems, your dysfunction, your sin, your depression, your anxiety, your stress, the things that you're going through. Get those things out of you. None of those things are in heaven. And I'm not being, I'm not trying to condemn anyone here, but I I just want to say that you can break into a reality where you have freedom from all of those things. 
And it's the kingdom of God is near. It is close. Jesus was saying it is at hand. You can have it every day. You've got to know that the Holy Spirit is here in you and heaven can fill all those voids and it can bring freedom from all of those things. Then you build the kingdom of God in your family, in your home. You know, one of the questions I always, I constantly think about with my wife and my kids is how can I make my home look like heaven? Your home life doesn't have to be hell. Whether you're, you know, a teen or a college student still living at home, have grace for your parents, have grace for your siblings, have grace for your roommates. How do you treat them? How do you make your home more like heaven? How can you make it look more peaceful, more joyful, more righteous? You know, it doesn't, don't make it hell. Be a servant to those that you live with. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. Do you have that kind of attitude? You know, building the kingdom in your school or in the, the job that you have. How can you make your school, how can you make your job look like heaven? In the classroom, in the locker room, in the break room, when you're actually like working, how understand that your work, work a lot of times is a dirty word, but it's precursed. Adam and Eve were given a job before sin came. We are designed to work. Work is supposed to be a form of worship to God. How are you working as if you're working for the Lord? Do you have joy? Do you have peace when you work or do you just complain about it? Do you just whine about it all the time? Are you frustrated with it? How can you make that job more like heaven? How are you serving the people around you in your job, in your school, in your home? You know, when people encounter you, do they encounter Jesus? They shouldn't get you. They should get him. What is, I want to encourage you, man, pray on your way to work, on your way to school, pray in the spirit for a few minutes before you go into that place. You can steward his presence to such a degree where he will get all over you. You will shine brightly for him. You've got to know that you are in a spiritual warfare, that the enemy is trying to steal your joy. He's trying to steal your peace. He's trying to make you a grouch. (laughs) He's trying to make you angry. He's trying to make you frustrated. He's trying to steal those things. But you have the power of prayer. You live in the kingdom. Get in that kingdom. Put Jesus on every day when you wake up. Everywhere that you go, your community, your city, your state, your nation, your world, your church, build your kingdom in the church. Don't complain about what your church is not. Become what your church needs. Become what it needs. And, and listen, this won't take, you know, a radical change in these places isn't going to, you know, take place overnight. Some people say, well, uh, you know, I tried that. I tried to serve my mom or I tried to serve my roommate or I tried to serve my spouse and I tried to make that happen and they just didn't, they just didn't listen. Okay. It's the response is not up to them. What have you been commanded to do? And understand, the kingdom starts small. It's going to grow. Luke 13, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a little leaven in the bread. It starts small, but it will grow. Don't despise your small beginning. It may start small, and it may be quiet, but if stewarded right, it can affect the whole world. So you know, get after it, stay in that place, stay faithful, stay consistent to building the kingdom wherever you are, even if you're not seeing results right away. Matthew six thirty three. seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. I want to say this too, like you don't have to be, if you're, you're trying to change your, your workplace or your church or your, um, whatever environment that you're in or, or even, you know, changing the culture around you, don't, you can't change culture by becoming like the culture. You can't change water by adding water to it. 
what the culture needs are sons and daughters who understand that the kingdom is at hand. Sons and daughters who know who they really are. Your family isn't going to change by you blending in or hiding from their dysfunction. It's not going to change. It's not going to change by you becoming like them, treating them like they treat you. It's going to change by you becoming like Jesus, responding, behaving, and talking. Your school isn't going to change by you blending in. It's only going to change if you get a revelation from God that you are a burning light and that everywhere that you walk, you bring heaven with you to such a degree that everything begins to transform around you. Come on, let these words pierce your heart and your mind. Let this begin to uh, change your prayer life. The things that you're asking for, Lord, like, you know, God set me on fire that I would burn bright for everyone to see. Set me on fire that the flaming arrows from the enemy don't even touch me. Lord, as I walk into this place, I carry your presence with me. Teach me, Lord, how to do, how to steward your presence, how to how to how to um, how to hold you, how to how to abide in you, how to remain hidden in you, how to remain in you, how to become like you, so that where I walk, heaven follows me, heaven comes with me, and I begin to change the very atmosphere of this place. In Philippians chapter three, the apostle Paul calls us citizens of heaven. When he uses this word citizen, everyone reading that in Philippi would have would have understood it like a citizen of Rome. Now Philippi was a colony of Rome but it wasn't actually Rome. It was a colony meant to spread the influence of Rome in its location. So you are a citizen of heaven and you are called to spread the influence of heaven in whatever location that you're in. Paul's not speaking of where we're going when we die, but rather influencing the earth for our King Jesus. Just like citizens of Rome were influenced the world for their King Caesar. We see the same type of thing in 2 Corinthians 5, where Paul calls us ambassadors, that we are ambassadors of Christ, that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We have been sent by our King into the earth, declaring that Jesus has won and he is now in charge. Is that something that your life boldly proclaims, that Jesus has has won and he is now in charge. See, we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. Jesus has already won. So we're supposed to proclaim that. We're supposed to live out this new reality. And in turn, the consequence of that is we'll bring reconciliation to the world and to the people around us. God is using us to bring about his plan, to bring about his new creation, to bring about his reconciliation of all creation. We as believers are called to build the kingdom of God, to bring heaven to earth. You've got to know that there are things that you're doing now that are eternal. Things matter. What you do matters. How you live matters. These are eternal things, heavenly things that will also be present in God's future. Salvation is not your your ticket into heaven when you die, but your ticket into heaven now. Eternal life doesn't start when you die. Eternal life is right now for the believer. Jesus is eternal life. It starts the moment that you make Jesus your Lord, not someday when you die. Salvation and the Holy Spirit were provided for us by the life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, enthronement of Jesus. Salvation and the Holy Spirit were provided by him. The Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. We have been saved. We have the Holy Spirit. And salvation and the Holy Spirit are not designed to take us away from the earth, but rather to make us agents of transformation in this earth. The way that we become a part of that plan, a part of this kingdom, a part of the family, 
is by way of the cross that like salvation, receiving the Holy Spirit, that takes a death, a death to ourselves, our dreams, our ambitions, our self-centered lives. That takes a taking up your cross and following after him. But you've got to know like when you die with him, you also rise with him. Colossians 3, our, like his resurrection is also our resurrection. So, the, so you know, to start to wrap all, all this up, the gospel of the kingdom is that the king came to rescue his people, a people that took up allegiance with darkness and rebelled against him and then were enslaved by the darkness they swore allegiance to. The king brought his kingdom into the darkness and defeated the darkness with the ultimate act of love. He sacrificed his own life, but he also completely defeated the darkness with his resurrection. And so anyone who believes in him are welcome now into this kingdom and have access to his righteousness, his power, his peace, his joy, his treasure. We have access to this kingdom now because of his death and because of his resurrection. That is the gospel that we've been brought back into relationship with him and we now get to build his kingdom with him. This gospel doesn't stop with salvation. It starts with salvation. It doesn't stop with church attendance. This gospel is meant to, this good news of the kingdom, it beats back the, for, the, the forces of darkness. It fights against poverty, abortion, racism, sexual perversion, sickness that rules the culture. Martin Luther actually said, a gospel that doesn't deal with the issues in the culture is not the gospel at all. See, this gospel, this kingdom it's the good news. We, we're, we're going around just like Jesus did proclaiming Isaiah 61. Like you don't have to be poor anymore. You don't have to be sick anymore. You don't have to be enslaved anymore. There's freedom now. You can live in this kingdom free from darkness, free from sin, free from bondage. The good news is the announcement that there's a new king in charge of your life. And if you surrender to him, you can have, you can live in his kingdom. The gospel is the announcement that there's a new king in charge and he's establishing a new kingdom, a new way of life, one that sets us free from bondage, one that doesn't, it doesn't look right. It's backwards. It's upside down. It's, it's a different way than the world lives because, you know, it teaches us to love our enemies, to be a servant of all, to lay down our lives. That is the kingdom that he's called us to live in and it is tra- it's completely transformational. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, we are mandated to build the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. We have this incredible good news that his kingdom has arrived. It is here now. It is close. It is within us. It is available to us. And we have the responsibility to expand it, to grow it, to proclaim it, to live it out. Now, man, that was a mouthful. That was you know, going hundred miles an hour, but I'm over 30 minutes now. So I'm going to close it down, but I, I want y'all to know I'm, I'm just barely scratching the surface on surface on this kingdom topic. I want to continue teaching about the kingdom, what it is, how we advance it. So keep an eye out for more of these episodes to come. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this amazing kingdom that you have brought to us that you have put inside of us, that you have mandated for us to build. Lord, show us how to think on these things, how to fix our minds on heavenly realities, Lord, how to fix our minds on you, the way that you see us, the way that you feel about us, Lord, so that we would become completely convinced of who you've called us to be. Show us how to build your kingdom. God, we say just, we pray just what Jesus prayed. 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Praying that you have an awesome day.